It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 86, A Bit of Sheffield Steel. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. I'm trying to think of what I want to say. It, it, it's it's right right on the tip of my... my um, um, Tongue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, probably better than I deserve. (laughs) Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Uh, Wow. So, we're back. Nothing big happened in the world of Doctor Who since we've been gone, right? No? Nothing? Nothing. No. I mean, in fact, there's so much of nothing that happened. I don't think we should have an episode at all. I think we should just close it up right now and say, we'll see you next time. Wouldn't go that far. episode of series 11 of doctor who aired this past sunday uh we're recording this on tuesday i've only seen the episode once paul you've seen it what three times now it's something like that i was uh i was at my parents watching it because at that particular time i didn't have service for live television ah. and uh, now i do so i can watch it at home there you go but uh yeah so uh, I watched it on the premiere live, and then I watched it again um, on one of the repeats in the middle, and then I watched it again on the quote-unquote extended version that showed uh, later at night. And apparently their definition of the extended version is different from my definition of the extended version <laughs> because it made it sound like that they were going to show new footage of the episode, like maybe some deleted scenes added back in or something. And all they showed was Comic-Con interviews. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> extended time slot. Yeah, not, not extended, extended episode. episode. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was... I I liked the, the Comic-Con footage from uh, New York Comic-Con, but it wasn't what I thought I was signing up to see, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Um, I, I did not see yeah. the uh, extended episode, um, and I was curious about what was in there, so I'm glad you told me. And now I don't have yeah. to worry so much. 
<laughs> because I was thinking, well, it, maybe it's an extended cut of the episode that they would then later put out on Blu-ray or whatever, mm-hmm. which would make sense. I mean, they've done those kinds of things with other shows before. So that's what I thought that, that they were going to show. I was thinking, well, it's going to be like maybe five extra minutes of footage or something. And no, it was just additional Comic-Con footage added in with the commercials and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. But it was still good to be able to see it. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm complaining about the fact that I had to watch Doctor Who again, you know. I mean, <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Kidding. <laughs> Well, I I think we should just jump into this without any further adieu. Let me give you the brief stats and the brief synopsis before we give a spoiler-free reaction, and then we'll jump into the nitty-gritty here. So, of course, this episode is the first episode of Series 11 of Doctor Who, the first episode starring Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor. It premiered on October 7th, 2018. It was actually simulcast across the globe so that when... They got it at their normal premiere time in England. It was airing in the afternoon here in the United States. Uh, but, of course, next next week, it'll all go to the normal release time, and everyone will be getting it at their appropriate time, not in the middle of the afternoon. Um, although Sunday afternoon, not too bad. The synopsis is as follows. A newly regenerated doctor must rally her newfound friends to defeat an alien attack upon a northern city without the TARDIS to help her. So, Paul, initial (laughs) spoiler-free reactions to the woman who fell to Earth. Okay. I'm going to give the good, the bad, and the ugly right up front. Okay. Um, Because I really, I enjoyed Jody's performance. I enjoyed the episode in general as a whole. I completely see the reason for celebrating this situation. I don't necessarily see the reason for over celebrating the situation. If you understand what I'm saying, I think so. And here's, and here's what I'm saying, because it was borderline almost like for the entire day. And even up to the day, it was almost borderline. Like it's going to be the second coming of Christ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and <laughs> that we have a female. And, yeah, doctor. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that we celebrate this thing. I'm just saying, let's keep it in context. It's, it's, it's a television show. It's not like that. We are reinventing television as we know it. Okay. <laughs> so that being said, I really enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed her performance in the show. I just want to keep it in the appropriate bracket of the right amount of celebration if that makes sense okay okay <laughs> uh so basically what you're saying is is that we got the doctor yeah and she just happens to be a woman this time yeah and the way that i look at that is i like to treat a character as a character and not differentiate that character by race religion creed sex whatever I don't look at characters that way. I look at characters as this is the character. This is, you know, in this case, this is the doctor. You know, why does it make a difference to me if the doctor is male or female? Why does it make a difference to me if the doctor is of a specific color or not? Do you see what I'm saying? To me, people are people. Why do I treat any person any different than any other person? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So in my way of thinking... 
it was just the doctor coming back for a new season. It wasn't this grand thing of this is going to change the world as we know it, if that makes sense. <laughs> so basically your quibble is with the marketing, not with the episode. More or less it's it's with the the hype is what I'm having an issue with more than the the show itself. Does that make sense? Yes. The show itself is what it is. I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed the character. I enjoyed the actor. The hype sometimes feels like that it's like, okay, we're just going to beat you about the head and shoulders with the scenario. (laughs) Because the expectation is that everybody is supposed to be as excited about this as we are. And I am excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm really excited. But don't try to force me to be excited. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're excited for the return of a, of a beloved TV show. Yes, and I'm excited for the character and the portrayal of that character, but don't hype it up to the point to where my expectation is at 13, and then the experience is a 10. You understand what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Gotcha. And, and, and that is, you know, it, it got to the point for me leading up to this and even on the day like watching you know even in multiple viewings and everything going on in between the viewings and it, it got to the point where i was starting to go okay I'm, I'm gonna start rolling my eyes now because it's just so much you know <laughs> does that make sense it does it does i i do think some of the the you know publicity and the hype and the the stuff yeah. around the show maybe a bit excessive but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to have my show back. I'm happy to have right. a, a new doctor in there. I think she did fantastic. So here, here's my spoiler-free review of The Woman Who Fell to Earth. I thought it was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's the strongest season premiere we've had uh, or, or doctor introduction we've had, but it wasn't weak by any stretch of the imagination. It was a very good, very solid uh, introduction and premiere mm-hmm. Um I actually have some thoughts on that, but we'll get into that a, a little bit later. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know if anyone can really top David Tennant's introduction on the scene of, of Doctor Who. Oh, you mean you mean the episode where he was almost not in it at all until the end? Well, <laughs> I, I suppose I suppose I'm talking about you know when he woke up and like completely took over and was quoting the Lion King. Um, but but just the the way he. Once he hit the ground running, and not necessarily right. in the premiere episode, right. but you know, in the <laughs> subsequent episodes, once he hit the ground running, I don't know if anyone can really top the frenetic energy and momentum that David Tennant had, if that makes sense. I have uh, some thoughts on that as well. Well, <laughs> let me finish, and we'll get back to that. <laughs> um, but, I'm but again, excited I, in case you can't tell. But again, I've only seen it the one time. I only saw it, you know, during the simulcast <laughs> premiere. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it again. Um, so I might just need an additional viewing or two. Uh, I will com- be completely honest with that. And I I will not mind an additional viewing or two. Um, although I think I'm more excited for next week's episode than I was for this week's episode. Because we get to go to an alien planet and have an, an adventure. Uh, we get all of the introductory things out of the way and we get to jump into the action and the fun. Because there's there's certain things that you have to hit in a in a season premiere with a new doctor. You got to, you know, the doctor figuring out him or herself, the doctor reintroducing themselves to the new people, 
finding their Sonic, finding their clothes, you know, figuring out who they are just in time to take out the villain. You know, there's there's certain beats you have to hit in an introductory episode. And I think this episode hit them well and in a very uh, smooth way that flowed great. But I want to get to the, the fun, the action, where we're just jumping into the middle of stuff now. So I enjoyed this episode, but I'm glad we get the introductions out of the way now. Um, and I think I think that's kind of where I'm at with this. I think it was a fun episode. I'm glad we got to be introduced to Dodie as the 13th Doctor and uh, all the companions, which we will definitely talk about as well. But I'm glad the introductions are done so we can just get into it. And I think that's where I'm at. So shall we give our spoiler warning and jump into things? Yes, let's do that because I want to talk about this. <laughs> all right. So if by some chance you're listening to this episode and haven't seen this episode, we're going to jump head first into this episode and we're going to talk all about it. So you rip her song. <laughs> Spoilers. All right, Paul, you're super excited. I am. What do you want to hit first? I think we should probably hit the doctor first. Not literally hit the doctor, but you know, <laughs> discuss the doctor. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to say this. Okay, and this is one of the areas where it might be the only area where I think that I would have changed something about the writing in this episode. And this is just my personal opinion. Personally, I would have rather seen the Doctor fall to Earth, like you were talking about last time, and hit the ground, <laughs> and you know, basically almost make a dent, you know, um, and either be found or get up and stagger off, you know, and then basically fumble her way into this adventure scenario, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to actually falling through the roof of the train <laughs> where it was already going on. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> uh, because in my mind, from a writing standpoint, that just seemed a little bit too coincidental. <laughs> we had the deus you ex know? machina at the beginning of the episode <laughs> rather than the end. Um, <laughs> you, you understand where I'm coming from yeah, from a yeah, writing yeah. standpoint? Yeah. Um, it all because, of a sudden just you know drops in out of the sky right. and... <laughs> She's up and ready to go. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, to, to be honest, is is a doctorish thing to happen. You, right. you just kind of, like, fall into something and take control. But, you know, she did just regenerate. Usually it's because of the TARDIS making it happen and not because of an accident, you know. Right. And, you know, so. she is still regenerating. <laughs> um, so, yeah. there's that aspect to it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I don't mind the way they did it at all. Um, it was kind of surprising. I'm like, yeah. all right, so we're introducing the companions first. We're introducing all these people. Where's the doctor going to come in? And then all of a sudden, it's just crash right. into the, the train car. It's like, oh, <laughs> hi. And, and the way that that was shot, if somebody came in on this episode having no prior knowledge of what had come before, and this was their very first Doctor Who episode, I kind of feel like they would be going, okay, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened here? Because, you know... There wasn't any lead up to, oh, okay, you see her falling or anything. It was just like, it almost looked like she appeared out of nowhere. And then suddenly there's a, a hole in the roof of the train and they really don't explain why. Because you're expected to see the episode prior to understand why she's there. You okay, see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't have any, like, quick flashback to her falling out of the TARDIS. Right. 
And so because of that, I did, I did find that know, a little strange. I was like, okay, so she's <laughs> going to drop her out of the sky. You yeah. know, that, that's a good point. If someone hasn't seen an episode of Dr. Who before, right. and they just <laughs> drop her out of the sky, this is their very first episode. They don't know anything about what's come before. They didn't see Capaldi regenerate into right. Jodie Whittaker. And you just drop her out of the sky without any reference to what her TARDIS is or how she was falling in the first place. That is a little strange, yeah. Uh, and with some of the numbers that they're talking about uh, on the opening day for uh, viewers, I'm pretty sure that there were probably a few new viewers that had never seen the show before because the last figure that I saw was 8.2 million. Yeah, for the first overnight um, viewings. Yeah, and so uh, that tells me that there was probably some new viewership. Now, I will say this. A lot of people are trying to compare those numbers to Matt Smith's numbers and Peter Capaldi's numbers and say, oh, see how much better of a doctor she is because the the amount of viewership that we had for. Okay, first of all, you don't know that if you've never seen the episode. Okay, (laughs) so you can't judge the viewership of one episode based on a person's performance that nobody has seen. Okay, (laughs) right. The truth be told, people wanted to find out what this was going to be, so they tuned in to see it. And I'm glad they did, because I really, I hope that this is something that increases the 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 fan base, you know, uh, right. not not just because of Jody, but because of the show as a whole. But that being said, the reason I feel that way is because I feel like because of the numbers that we're seeing here, there, there had to be at least uh, a significant enough increase in new viewership for this to have been some people's first time to ever see the show. Right. All right. Well, enough about how the doctor just dropped into our faces. Um, <laughs> what are some of your thoughts on Jodie Whittaker as the 13th doctor? How, how she is portraying the doctor here and what you enjoyed and what you didn't enjoy. If you didn't enjoy anything. Well, I'll be honest with you. It kind of feels doctor wise. It kind of feels like it's leaning a little bit more back into the David Tennant era at least in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Because she has that balance of whimsy and seriousness and that energy that David Tennant had on screen and Matt Smith also had on screen to where they, they just, you felt almost like there was something bubbling under the surface, if you get what I'm saying. Um, And, and Peter Capaldi had that too, but not as much in his first series. Yeah. You know, he was, he was Um, very serious. Right. But the 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 feel to me was that that uh, Chibnall is specifically is moving the show doctor wise back in the direction of of Tennant and, and Smith by his choice of picking Jody to play that role. Okay. I feel like that that's that is the aspect that she's bringing to that character with through her own portrayal. It's not a it's not a copy or anything like that. I feel like that she's bringing that to the role. And I feel like that's probably why he chose her to play that role. Okay. Um, It's funny you say that because my initial reaction and my initial comparison, because this is something we all do as Doctor Doctor Who fans, is we compare the new Doctor to the previous Doctors, um, who they remind us of the most and that sort of thing. For me, uh, and I was kind of getting this vibe watching the trailers. I think I mentioned it last week when we were discussing the trailers, uh, Mm -hmm. but it was borne out. Uh, a lot more for me this time around is that she's kind of a throwback. Whereas yeah. Capaldi, and I'm talking throwback to classic 
Right. Whereas Capaldi uh, was definitely very similar in the vein of a William Hartnell kind mm-hmm. of character. You know, the the uh, stuffy older, you know, doctor. Right. Jodie has a, a sort of impish quality about her. Uh, mm-hmm. Not naive, just impish quality, I think, that is very reminiscent to me of Patrick Troughton's second doctor and Sylvester mm-hmm. McCoy's seventh doctor. Um, and I can see that too. Plus she's got the flamboyance of, you know, like a Tom Baker and a David Tennant who was very influenced by Tom Baker. Well, this is the way I feel about it. I feel like that there are there are aspects of her portrayal that remind me of the second, the fourth, the fifth, <laughs> the seventh, the tenth, the eleventh. <laughs> With the voice of nine thrown in. Right, right, right. <laughs> so let's, you know, uh, concoct a you know, doctor stew and, you know, boil it down and see what we get. Right. But there's there's something about her that I find likable, that I find, uh, well, and I said this with, I think I've said this about every regeneration that we've talked about so far, that I find refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not that I'm by any means saying that I was tired of what we had already, but it's just, you don't ever really know what you're getting with a new doctor. Right. And you're always kind of nervous about, am I going to like this new doctor or not to, for me to be able to say that it's refreshing is a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, That's good. That's good. (laughs) It is. She's fun. She's quirky. Um, She's got really, interesting sense of of way that she phrases things which i like and and again this is still just the the, the her first episode so right. we don't have a full picture of what we're getting yet but i'm liking what we're seeing jody is impressing me and and it is something that i'm going to be honest my favorite of the modern era doctors was peter capaldi i was very sad <laughs> to see him go however i am not disappointed at all with his replacement i i think jody whitaker is a fantastic uh replacement as the doctor and uh, not necessarily the replacement, the next in a long line of doctors. Because right. you don't ever replace a doctor because they still stay there in your heart. Right. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. And, and I don't know if this will mean anything to you or not. But I had a little bit of the same reaction with her that I had with Matt Smith. And here's what I mean. When, when I first saw Matt as the doctor, uh-huh. I didn't really accept him until you got to the point where he was standing on the roof challenging the alien while he's changing his clothes Uh and i was going okay that's the doctor you see what i'm saying (laughs) um with david Tennant, um the 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 scenario with him uh was a little different it was it was okay i don't know anything about him because he's not really doing anything and then as soon as he came out and challenges them to a sword duel (laughs) I'm going, okay, that's the doctor, you know, um, because that, you know, as little bit as I knew about the character uh, of the third doctor at the time, I had that that was something that reminded me at that point of the third doctor. Right. And then with Peter, it was more of a scenario where it took me maybe two or three episodes before I felt comfortable saying this is the doctor, if that makes sense. Yes. But by the time that it was over with him, I was going, please give me more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
so but of course now you're you're talking about somebody who started out with baker you know and i'm going to always kind of in a little bit of a way compare everybody back to baker tom baker not Colin. tom baker yes tom baker so it's it's one of those things but the same thing with five you know um i it, it took me an entire episode to accept uh, peter davison as the doctor and and basically that was because i was so used to tom baker and how much of a iconic way that he played that character you know so what was it in this episode that made you say that's the doctor all right we're going to jump around, guys. We're not going to talk about this in order, so just be no. aware of that up front. You know, this right. is a review, not a recap. <laughs> the point at which I was like, that's the Doctor for me in this in this episode was at the point where they were on the cranes. She's on one side, the alien's on the other, and he's dangling the guy from his collar and starts to drag him away, and you're seeing her face, and her face visibly changes right before she backs up to run. And it, that moment when her face changed to that look of not only determination, but also that look of care that she had come over her face. The same kind of look that you used to get from Peter back at the end. The duty you of know, care. When, the, when her face changed right before she backed up to run. That is the moment in that episode where I almost cried because I was like, that's the doctor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic moment. I mean, I'm always ready to buy into the new doctor from the word go. I, I'm, I'm always looking for right. where can I jump on with this doctor? I want to – I'm crouched. I'm ready to jump. I'm just looking for a spot to land. And so, right. like, I was almost ready to do that from her first scene. But but I'm like that with all the Doctors. I'm, I'm, I'm really open and accepting and willing to give all the new Doctors a chance and benefit of the doubt almost from the instant they're on screen. That's just the way I do it. <laughs> However, I do think that scene really – the scene you're talking about on the cranes really solidified my – yes, I, I'm, I'm confident in where I have landed – <laughs> but I, I think what was really getting me to the point where I was fully confident in my footing um, is when she's making her Sonic. And I've heard a lot of people say that. I I love that scene where she's <laughs> trying to figure out how to make a Sonic with these primitive tools, what she can use, how she can make it happen. And, and she's there, you know, experimenting and trying things and tossing <laughs> things over her shoulder because they're not working. Um, and, and all that stuff. And, and that's, that's also the scene where she, um, she has the line about whenever people need help, I'm always there, whatever that is, you know, the, the one that I really liked from the trailer that we talked about last well, week. I will say this, that particular scene where she's building the Sonic reminded me a lot, a lot of the third doctor in his, in his lab, you know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he's always tinkering with something. Right. You know? And so that really brought that back for me. You know, I almost expected for her to turn around and say something to Joe to only to realize that Joe's not there, you know? Wow, that would have um, been a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but see, that would be that would be interesting too if if uh, if we saw Jody's doctor run into Joe at some point because she's still out there. She is. But speaking of of companions, why don't we talk about <laughs> the companions? That's a great segue. Um, and I, I just know, pointed right? it out, which is kind of <laughs> defeats the point. <laughs> Technically, this episode we had four companions. Yes, we have Ryan, Yasmin, Graham, and Grace. Yes. Did you have a favorite? Grace. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh, uh, that makes me so mad. Um, I think it was intentional, though. I think they right? wrote it to be that way. Although that's Sharon D. Clark, and supposedly she's in more than one episode this season, so we'll see what happens. It's as if it's a time traveling show, right? It's a time traveling show, so maybe we'll see her again. I don't know. I'd love to. Could be flashbacks. I mean, you know, right? Which is very possible and and probable. But um, man, I'm so mad that. That Grace doesn't get to travel with the Doctor. Oh, I will. I, I'm going to say this. I I like the fact that we go into this scenario with all of the companions already having pre-existing connections. Yes. Yeah. Because that feels sort of the same way that we had it with the first Doctor's crew. Mm-hmm. They already had connections before the adventure started. You know. Yeah. Um. So there was already enough of a history there to already make them feel like that they were comfortable together. Right. It wasn't one of these things where, okay, this episode, we're going to throw this person into the mix. And then that episode, we're going to throw that person into the mix just so that we can keep it mixed up. You know, I like the fact that all of those characters had a pre-existing history together and really something that I wasn't expecting to see, but I really like it. I like the fact that Graham Ryan, our grandfather grandson, right by by marriage. Even though Ryan doesn't want to admit it, and I like the fact that that they set this up for them to possibly have a meeting of the minds before it's all said and done. Yeah, uh, to kind of a mutual respect for one another, and I I think that that is something that they can build their relationship on. You know, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, I've. I like the fact that they have set this up the way that they have with the characters themselves. I like the fact that each character came into this thing having their own purpose uh, built into them uh, from the jump. And and uh, you didn't necessarily know what that purpose was at the first scene, but they already came with a purpose built into them as to where they needed to grow from. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the... Um the more interesting places uh, that one of the companions has to grow from is with Ryan mm-hmm. because he has a, a neurological condition called dyspraxia Right. Uh, for those who didn't catch it. And what dyspraxia is, a neurological disorder uh, beginning in childhood, it's known, and I'm reading this um, here, so it's uh, known to affect planning of movements and coordination as a result of uh, brain messages not being accurately transmitted to the body. Mm-hmm. Um so there, there's sometimes a disconnect between what his brain wants him to do and what his body does, which is why he has such a difficult time riding a bike right? or, or learning to ride the bike and, and why he slipped climbing oh, the crane. The look on his face when he almost slipped on that crane. Oh, my gosh. I, when they showed his face, my first thought was, yeah, you better change your shorts there, buddy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because... 
that was exactly what would have gone through my mind if that had happened to me, you know, but the look on his face told it all right there. Right. You know, but th- this is, <laughs> I really like this because this is also something new uh, to Doctor Who that we have a character who's going to be a regular on the show with a, uh, a, a medical condition, right. you know, that is uh, that could be a detriment in some of these high stress, high, you know, impact moments that he's going to end up going through. See, that's something that I have been seeing a little bit more of in recent years that I actually think is a good thing. Some people don't get it. Some people think that it's uh, done as a trope or done as a kind of a, a storytelling tool or something like that. I don't see it that way. I see it as representation. You know what I'm saying? I see it as we're finally getting to the point as a society where they're not afraid to represent people with medical issues or neurological issues or whatever to bring attention to that, you know, because as somebody who has friends with uh, children who have autism or uh, uh, like my son has been diagnosed with Asperger syndrome, you know, I think it's important for society in general to understand that these people are just like everybody else. They're not weird or odd or strange. And I think that us being able to see a character in a show like this who has that type of an issue really kind of helps people to understand the people that have those kinds of issues. Yeah. You know, and to understand that they're just like everybody else. Yeah. Where is it that you think Yasmin has to grow from? She, okay. Have you seen Zootopia? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're saying she's Judy Hopps? She's the rabbit from Zootopia. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's hit me in such a funny place. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. That's the easiest way to explain that. She's the rabbit from Zootopia. You know, she has all of this ability that nobody will let her use. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this is going to be her way to shine sort of a little bit along the same lines as Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah. Because until she met the doctor, Sarah Jane was in a similar scenario. People didn't think that she was as capable as she actually was. And when she met the doctor, he brought that out in her even more. You know, and I feel like that's where we're headed with this character. I feel like that she's going to be that character who is allowed to blossom and grow and expand and prove what she's capable of now that she's met the doctor. That's fantastic. I love that. (laughs) Have you seen Zootopia? Um, (laughs) I actually love that movie. So, hey, it's a a fun movie. I like it a lot. I, I just... That's, that is possibly the best the best <laughs> response you could have given me for that. I, thank you, Paul. And now Graham. I, I want to know where you think Graham has to start from. I feel like that Graham this entire time has felt like he's on borrowed time. I feel like that because of that, he has kind of resigned himself to just stay on the safe side of everything. I feel like that 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 dynamic that you saw between him and Grace just kind of proved that in that she was always the one that was running to be of help. And he was always the one that was saying, 
but wait, we need to stay back here. Right. You know, and I don't I don't think that was because he was necessarily as afraid of the confrontation as it was that he was afraid of losing what life he had left and especially what life he had left with her because he felt like that he had almost lost that already. Okay. You know, and so I feel like that his opportunity is going to be to savor that life and to quote unquote live like you're dying, if that makes sense, you know, because you've only got so much time left and you need to make the most of that time as opposed to trying to hoard that time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that that's the direction that we're going to see him go. I like that. I like that a lot. So obviously, you know, spoiler alert, duh, folks, we're in the spoiler <laughs> section. At the end of the episode, we, we see him at the funeral for Grace mm-hmm. and you get the idea that he never expected to outlive her. No. Uh, he's always looking over his shoulder for that cancer to come back. Right. You know, he survived a cancer scare. It's in remission. He's good for now, but he's looking over his shoulder waiting for that thing to come back. And that kind of paralyzes him to an extent, I think, you mm-hmm. know. And and now without Grace, I think he's got the opportunity to try and live life that like she would have wanted him to. Right. And And that's... Or live it like she did. Exactly. Exactly. Which was (laughs) big and bold and, you know, always looking for excitement and adventure, essentially. She asked him at one point, is it crazy that I'm excited that this is happening? And he says, yes. Yes. (laughs) Is it crazy that I'm having fun? You know, yes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She runs off anyways. I had a bad feeling when she started climbing that... That crane, though, to get to the, the electrical tentacle creature, mm-hmm. I was like, I have a bad feeling about this. I don't like this <laughs> because she's not one of the companions. Yeah. So I was ugh, I was very sad to see Grace go. I, I feel like that was where they made one of their mistakes in the uh, announcements and everything. I feel like that they should not have have differentiated those three people from the other people that the doctor was going to meet in her first episode, because I think that gave a little bit away. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard not to just announce the companions, though. <laughs> kind of hard to not do that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, it's very maybe. hard to not do that. You have to do that with the, with the doctor. You got to well, make not, sure. Not necessarily. I so mean, what? You, you know. wanted to wait until the episode aired to find out who the companions were? Honestly, yes. <laughs> I did. I honestly did. because I think you um, might be the only person. Well, I, I'm one of those people who likes to be surprised at every hand's turn when I watch something like this. And Says the man who um, knows more spoilers about this show than I do. Well, I usually get them by accident, though. <laughs> um, and that's that's the thing. I'm not – it's not that I'm intentionally looking for spoilers. It's that I'm looking for news, officially released news, to be able to share it on our Facebook page and stuff. And – I end up accidentally bumping into the spoilers and not meaning to. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's I really, really think that we have the opportunity at this point for this to be a truly ensemble cast. Yeah, um, I agree. If if this is treated well, you know, I agree. Um, And some people don't get it. Some people don't understand that the doctor started out that way from the very beginning. You know, some people that that are only used to seeing one companion or whatever. Uh, even some people didn't even designate Rory as being a companion. They they designated him as being Amy's sidekick or whatever, you know. Right. Which I don't think was right. But uh, so, you know, especially newer fans 
can sometimes not realize that there have been multiple TARDIS crews in the past. And I honestly, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we're doing this again is because it is a retro thing. Yeah. It's not something that is really kind of part of the new show as much. No, there's a lot of, of retro throwback kind of feel to mm-hmm. this show, to this episode in particular. And, and let's just talk about it. Uh, one of the big retro throwbacks uh, of this is the music. You just read my mind. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the music in this, obviously we are our first season without Murray Gold in the modern mm-hmm. Doctor Who era. Uh, Murray but Gold did was you really the, notice, though? I, I noticed a little bit because there wasn't the big bombastic orchestra stuff, which I love. I love big epic orchestra stuff. That is something I crave musically. However, uh, what we got here is sort of a blending of that with very synth heavy kind of throwback stuff where, where you would hear something that sounded basically like boom, 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 boom. And that's all you'd hear, you know, and it's right. just kind of an atmospheric thing, you know, uh, instead of the boom, 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 you know, that you got in some of the new stuff, you know? Right. Um, and so there's a lot of, of the, the synth, the synth stuff, the, the, you know, that that's mm-hmm. synthesizer, type music that's mixing its way back into the the lexicon of Doctor Who, which I think is really neat uh, because it it does, it is a retro thing for the show, and it's a nice nod, but it's also something to help differentiate the composers that we've gotten in the modern era now, which uh, is is important as well. Right. Uh, Okay. Um, And this is going to be something that that I've noticed uh, online as well. Um, I know in some of the past series that we've gotten, especially for like comedic scenes and things like that. Um, the music has kind of created the tone of the comedy in the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially in like Matt Smith's era and things like that. Um, uh, I mean, it was there for David Tennant and stuff too, but especially in Matt Smith's era, you got a lot of that kind of, you know, bumble. I don't want to say bumbly, but kind of, you know, almost childish kind of musical humor mm-hmm. kind of yeah. tone to the music, you know? And so that's something that we did not get in this episode. We did not get that music dictating the tone of the emotion in those comical moments. And that is something that really made me feel like a classic episode because you didn't get that almost at all in the classic series when a joke was told or something, it was done dry most of the time. It was done with without that underlay of we're going to put comedic music in here because it's a, a funny moment or whatever. I mean, you would get it sometimes, but not nearly as frequently as you did in the new show. And so because people are not used to that and not used to the music, not always dictating the emotional feel of the moment like you know in cuz there a lot of people have not seen the classic series they don't know that that the the dialogue and everything was kind of left to affect you on on its own without that musical you know underlay or whatever mm-hmm. a lot of people thought well there weren't a lot of dynamic emotional beats in the episode there you know the, a lot of the jokes just fell flat and things like that and i'm thinking no it's going back to the feel of the classic episodes where a joke was told the same way that it would be in real life. 
you don't have that in real life when you tell a joke. You don't have that boom, boom, or whatever, you know, <laughs> behind you when you tell a joke. It's this is making it feel more real world the way that the classic series did. And until you get used to that as a viewer, you're not going to get it. Did you did you kind of feel the same way? To be honest, for most of the episode, I didn't really pay attention or notice the music at all, which is good. You know, which is what a composer right. wants to do. They want to, you know, have their stuff blend in seamlessly with the episode. Right. I only really paid attention once or twice. And the, the first time I noticed the music is when she's on the train and she starts doing some doctory stuff and we kind of get the first hints of the Doctor Who theme. Right. That's when I noticed it. And then I didn't really pay much attention to it until the very end of the episode. When I was looking to see if they were going to play the theme again, you know, which on BBC America, they did not. They did not give us for the entire day, did not give us the closing theme for the show. However, <laughs> over in uh, good old England, they did. And uh, we've got uh. we've got the official <laughs> closing theme for the show released on YouTube and everything, you know, everywhere. So let's listen to it real quick. Let's say a few comments and then we'll head back to the episode itself. <laughs> what you think I think this is the closest we've had to the fourth doctor's theme ever <laughs> no this is the closest to the first doctor ever since the first doctor I'm just telling you how it makes me feel well I, basically the main you know music line the, the main right. tune you could have lifted directly from the original track it might even be the original track. I'm not sure. Um, uh, I don't think I it is. Go that far. I, but but it is note for note what we get on the original. Right. Um, 
the but, it, but it's synthesized. It is. Which the first one was not. Yes, it was. So the synthesizers, uh, different kind of it, synthesizers. It it was not done with a keyboard. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, it's done with a synthesizer. <laughs> and I'm not talking about an electronic piano or a keyboard. Anyway, <laughs> we're not getting into that. But basically, the 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 main tune is note for note what you get in the original theme. The original, original 1963 closing theme. And basically the, the underscoring of it with the, the drums and everything is different. And then the accents that they, that they use to go right. over the top of it is, is new. And then they kind of, towards the end, you know, kick it up a, a, a notch, uh, which I, I like right. too. Um, but I think this is great. I like this. I'm a fan of the original thing. I, I put it in as music more than I probably should on this podcast. Um, but but I think it's great. Um, and I can't wait to see the official opening theme and how this plays with the show and with what they, they're giving us for 13. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I, I, I like the fact, of course, now this is the closing the closing theme. This is not necessarily the opening theme. Right. Um, but I like the fact that uh, we might be getting to the point where we're going back to the cliffhanger endings that end with that <laughs> once again. <laughs> because we had, we had at one point only gotten that at the beginning of the show. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then they would wrap it up at the end and then you'd have the, the closing theme. Whereas in the classic series, they would come up on that cliffhanger ending and they would end the show with, you right, know, right. And that was kind of their way of saying, until next time, right. you know, <laughs> what will happen next? Tune in, right. you know, next week. <laughs> so I really like that we're kind of getting that retro feel to the ending there. And I'm kind of hoping that we have a cliffhanger ending at the end of every single episode of the series. <laughs> well, we do have a cliffhanger at the end of this episode. So the I doctor, know, right? yeah, the, the doctor has figured out using her sonic and a bunch of equipment that they have discovered in the abandoned warehouse. And um, a car battery. And a car battery and all that other fun stuff. <laughs> she has discovered a way to track down where her TARDIS is. And she's going to use the the pod from the alien, which we haven't talked about yet at all this episode. Uh, we can talk about him a little bit later if we want to. Oh, you mean Bluetooth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim Shaw. Captain Bluetooth. <laughs> you have Wi-Fi? No, Bluetooth. <laughs> oh, my God. Um <laughs> So she hooks everything up to his, you know, essentially teleportation pod. Um, and she's going to use that to teleport herself to where her TARDIS is. Yes. And she's there, you know, going to say goodbye to, to Ryan and Yasmin and Graham and say, thanks for everything. It's been fun. I'm almost going to miss this. You know, uh, hopefully I'll see you around sometime. And uh, she activates Sonic and she disappears. But so do they. <laughs> Which is another throwback to the first Doctor, because <laughs> that's how they all ended up in that predicament in the first place. <laughs> Lost in space! Right. Uh, <laughs> except they don't 
you know, they don't land sitting outside <laughs> the TARDIS on, you know, a nice beach somewhere. No. With the, with the Panama hat. Don't right, with the, the Panama, Panama hat, <laughs> like, like the Fifth Doctor hat. Um, and the, and the first. And the first. Oh, he did. That's right. He did. Um, <laughs> um, it was probably the same hat. <laughs> it might have been. Um, but no, it's not some comfy, cozy beach with the TARDIS right there. Open and waiting for her. No, no, no. They uh, they get transported into uh, near space. <laughs> and when I say space, I mean literally outer space. Maybe upper atmosphere. They put the Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. There we go. Star Wars reference for you folks. Yes, they, they pull the Princess Leia. Uh, too bad they don't have the force to pull themselves to the nearest planet. Um, although I'm not sure you want to pull yourself through the atmosphere and let gravity take over because that would be nasty. Um, although the Doctor did survive that, so who knows. Yeah, they're floating in space in a vacuum. Yeah. And the Doctor is like, oh, this is great. You, you can see her looking around going, oh, this is amazing. You can see the companions in the background, like, trying to, like, hold their breath and not die. <laughs> and then she's turning around and realizes where she's at and that they are there with her. And she's like, oh, no. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah, you kind of expect to see, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, oh. <laughs> oh shit. Hockey mushroom. My wife says that. I stole that from Spy Kids. <laughs> An old movie. Um, anyways. Not nearly as old as this series. No, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah. So they kind of just leave them hanging in outer space. <laughs> Until next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I'm excited for next week's episode. Uh, but we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, I just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, mm. Thoughts on the baddie and the plot for this episode? I found the the plot less entertaining than I did the villain. Um, if you get what I'm saying. Because okay. the, the villain felt threatening until he took off his mask. <laughs> right. And then when he took off his mask, it was just weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. He put the mask back on and I was like, yeah, stay away from me. You're creepy. He took the mask back off and I'm like, dude, you're just weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that, that, that dynamic of the, the oddly weird, you know, nature of how he looked and his proclivity to, uh, enjoy having dental work on his face I, that that aside i liked the fact that you had a, a character that did, that not only felt threatening but also felt flawed at the same time because a lot of times you'll have a villain that you don't see the cracks you know what i'm saying it's right. like they 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 come off like they don't have any flaws and so when you get to the point to where the doctor figures out how to save the the planet from that scenario or whatever, the solution almost feels contrived sometimes because of the fact that you haven't seen any indication that there is a flaw at all in the, the villain that the Doctor's going up against. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I like the fact that 
you're not only seeing the cracks in the doctor, you're seeing the cracks in the companions. And at least in this story arc, you're seeing the cracks in the villain as well. You know, the villain is not confident enough to do his mission without cheating. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And so because of that, you already know up front that he has at least one weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think it's important not to make the villains and everything so overpowered that they feel so daunting that you don't feel like there's ever any way for that, that the, the hero can win. But at the same time, they need to feel so threatening that they make you feel like that if, if the hero's not able to, to meet certain specific things that everybody's going to die. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So basically we kind of got like, uh, was it twist on, Predator scenario? That's what I thought. But the Predator was more confident. Oh, yeah. You know, the Predator was more, I'm going to take care of my, my own business. I don't need your help. This guy... He believes, like in, he, he believes in making sure everything is going to work out the way he needs it to right. at any cost. Right. As opposed to being able to improvise and, and think on his feet and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Everything has to be a sure thing. For him, right. I, I thought he was he was good for her uh, for her first villain, not too powerful um, because you need you, you need the doctor to be able to to work their way up to things, right. especially when they're in the middle of a regeneration. I can't remember who they are or what they're about. You know, you don't want to bring Davros on the scene in a situation like this. No, no, <laughs> uh, or the Master. Um, although I think there have been a couple of, of times where the Master was the first villain. <laughs> that the doctor faced uh, in a new regeneration. <laughs> uh, the fifth doctor comes to mind, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, uh, good, good build up villain. Uh, interesting enough storyline to, you know, keep things moving so that we could meet all the, the new characters and see all the new things that we need to see. Um, but again, I feel like this is just the appetizer for the, right. the season yet to come. And I'm really excited for next week because this is when I really think we're going to get, a good feel for what this season's going to be about. I have a question. I don't have an answer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What's up? Having seen this episode and having seen how things ended up when the doctor made her move to get her TARDIS back, do you feel like that that is going to be the running theme of this series is her trying to track down and regain access to her TARDIS? Or do you think that's just going to be a temporary thing? Um... We might get it at the end of this episode, or this next episode, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if this carries for another episode or two. Mm -hmm. um, almost as if maybe the TARDIS is running from her, mm -hmm. um, which is weird. Uh, but it wouldn't. It well, wouldn't. You know, the no. TARDIS has, has reacted oddly before to having yes. other females inside of her. Yes, you know? that is very true. <laughs> TARDIS likes sexy and uh, <laughs> likes being called sexy and right. uh, uh, like likes her man. And um, we'll see what the TARDIS <laughs> thinks about when her man is a woman. At, at least up to this point, the TARDIS has been very hetero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, it is one of those uh, things where I could see it go either way at the end of this episode. Either we get the TARDIS and we get the introduction of the TARDIS, or we continue the search. Although I'm inclined to think 
that the search will continue for at least one more episode after this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning a bit more towards that mm-hmm. side of it than she finds it next week. One of the reasons I ask is because we've not seen any promotional photos or anything like that that uh, officially even show the inside of it. We've right. seen one leaked photo, or I've seen one leaked photo that I ended up running across by accident, and it wasn't even in color. It was in black and white. But we've not seen, you know, a lot of times in the past we have seen like photographs of the companions being inside the TARDIS, things like that. The only, the only photographs that I have seen, and these were not official photographs, they were leaked, was one where the doctor is standing inside of the TARDIS doors, looking inside the TARDIS, and you don't see any of the interior. All you see is her standing in front of the doors, and she has this look on her face like she can't believe how much different it is or you know also maybe a little bit of a look on her face like that she's missed it and has finally gotten it back and and it's one of those things where she's kind of trying to understand what's going on Uh um and the other photo was the leaked photo of like the console area and stuff which you couldn't really even tell that much about because it was in black and white but there's been nothing because i know like before you've gotten like some promotional photos and stuff like with the doctor and his companion inside the TARDIS and stuff. And you've not gotten any of that this time around. And so it kind of makes me wonder if the, the TARDIS itself might be the MacGuffin, you know, for this entire series. I don't know if it's going to be the MacGuffin for the entire series, but I think it, it, I think the likelihood of it being the MacGuffin for at least the first couple of episodes is pretty likely. And the only promotional image that we've seen with the TARDIS in it was that original you know, image of Jody in, right. in her costume, and it was sitting right. on the hill in the background. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, I would be safe bet, I would feel safe betting that we won't see it for at least the next two episodes, mm-hmm. or the end of not this next episode, but the episode afterwards. I would be okay with it going like half of the series mm-hmm. before we saw it. Not, not because I don't want to see the TARDIS. Obviously, I love the TARDIS, but. Because it would kind of have that feel that we had with the third Doctor when he wasn't able to use his TARDIS. Right. Or also, uh, it would have a little bit of that same feel that we had on the occasions like uh, with uh, Genesis of the Daleks when Tom Baker was sent to Scarrow without his TARDIS by the Time Lords. And he had no no TARDIS with him at all. You know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that would be an interesting throwback uh situation as well all right well uh next week the episode is titled the ghost monument uh and it looks like we're gonna get uh that spaceship we saw in the the trailer uh and of course um the abandoned building where the doctor and her companions are getting shot at also looks to be in this episode uh we talked about that last week in our preview show looks like it'll be a fun episode uh this is one i'm like again i i've said uh this is what I'm really excited for because this is where we really get into the meat of what this season is going to be about, um, I think. So, do you have any final thoughts on this episode, Paul, before we give it a rating? That's what I was going to ask you, is if you wanted to give this episode a rating. Uh, I think we should. Um, how many teeth <laughs> are you going to rate this episode? Hmm, how many teeth? Well, you know, you have 20, but you are a child. And, um, and, again, and again, folks, we're <laughs> rating this see. out of 10. <laughs> Not 20 out of 10. Right. 
Um, right. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, of course, I got to see it more times than you did. Yes. But uh, the, uh, I would say that for a first outing and for a uh, amnesiac episode, uh, I I would give this. I'd say an eight. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd say an eight. I think because I think that you know I, I like I said I pointed out just a little bit of an issue that I had with the small part of the writing you know uh, because it is what it is I am a, a little bit of a a nitpick person when it comes to certain types of storytelling um, and 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 I I can't apologize for that because good storytelling is just good storytelling you know right um, and I think that because of the fact that well I mean let's be honest we actually ended up getting to the end of this episode and wanting a little more. Um, <laughs> and, and I felt like that, that one of the reasons I felt like that we were going to get an extended cut of this when they said extended episode is because there were a couple of spots in there where you just kind of wanted a little bit more exposition on a couple of things because it, there were certain things that just felt so compacted together. It just felt like you were trying to fit so much in this episode to tell the story, even though it was an extended episode, you know? And so it really, if, if I had not seen this episode more than once, I would have had more questions than what I did as to, well, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen? Because a lot of it was just told at a, like, you know, one, it's one sentence of dialogue or something. And if you weren't really paying attention, you would have missed it, you know? Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think that the acting was solid. I think that the characters were extremely well done. Um, I thought that uh, we had a good villain. Um, we had a good balance of drama and humor in there. And like a lot, like I said, a lot of people didn't understand the difference in the tone, which caused them to feel like that there there wasn't as much of an emotional shift, you know, when they were going to humor and drama and things like that. But I think that was just because they're not used to the difference in the classic format versus the new format. And this is going back towards the classic stuff, you know? So I, I feel like that it's got a whole lot going for it. And I really like the real, the real world feel of it. I really like the fact that it felt like you were watching a film because of the filters and everything they had on the cameras and everything. It really felt like that you were watching a movie yeah. in a theater, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I didn't have a whole lot to complain about with this, you know. Um, I, I pretty much mentioned the the nitpicky stuff that I had with it, you know. Um, but it it left me with a feeling of wanting more, and not just from the aspect of uh, I want this to go on for an for another hour or whatever. It it left me with wanting a little bit more exposition in there, if if that makes sense. It does. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, you know ten teeth. I'm gonna give this one seven. I I enjoyed the episode. I thoroughly enjoyed the new Doctor and the new companions. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I felt the villains to be... They were good, but they were a little weak, in my opinion. I think I liked the plot of the villain more than I liked the villain, but it, it didn't bother me that much. It was a solid episode. It was a solid episode, and I enjoyed it. I will probably rewatch it, but there wasn't... Other than that crane scene where the Doctor has her moment... Mm-hmm. And uh, the scene where the doctor is making her sonic, there wasn't a lot in this episode that just gave me that you know get up and cheer oomph. 
Which, well, that's because they had to build onto the character. Exactly, exactly. You know? <laughs> and and I don't generally feel that way mm-hmm. with the introductory episodes where we introduce the new Doctor. Matt Smith was fish fingers and custard. That was that was it. <laughs> and uh, David Tennant was Lion King. Yeah. Lion King in a sword fight. And then you got and the Christmas tree that tried to kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Peter Capaldi is running across the roof uh, in his nightgown talking to a dinosaur. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and asking why he has angry eyebrows. Yeah, you didn't have that those kinds of moments quite as much in this as what you had in previous first episodes of Doctors. You know, the yeah. the eccentricities and stuff. Yeah, and I think those eccentricities will come out more as the episodes go on. Uh, but like I said, mm-hmm. this this wet my appetite for what comes next, and I'm glad we get the introduct we've got the introductory episode out of the way so we can jump right into to the meat of the season and the meat of what these episodes are going to be about. It has me excited for what's next, but unless, you know, upon further rewatches, uh, my mind changes, uh, this will be just Jody's introductory episode and not necessarily a favorite. I get it. Um, I think that might be one of the reasons why the hype bugged me as much as it did is because the hype versus what the episode actually was did not exactly match up, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the hype, uh, the hype is for what we're hoping to get for the whole season, uh, right. and it was all concentrated on this first episode. <laughs> right. And I don't know, if, which it was a really good episode. It was. Don't get me wrong, guys. It's a really good episode. I just don't <laughs> but know. It wasn't the end all be all Doctor Who episode? You know. No. 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 I, I know she's got better. <laughs> coming down the pipe and I can't wait to see it. Um, <laughs> and again, I come back to, I wish Grace were going to be traveling with them. I know. <laughs> I wish Grace was going to be traveling with them. I want more Grace. Um, uh, she's kind of the glue that holds them all together at the at the first episode. And you kind of almost get the impression now that that's going to be left to the doctor yeah. to be the glue that holds them together. Well, I think the doctor so. is going to feel responsible and is going to feel the, the, uh, the duty to live up to how grace was and mm-hmm. how grace acted and behaved and kept everyone together like that. Uh, and I feel like grace is going to be a very influential figure for the 13th doctor, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, uh, shaping who she is and how she behaves. So, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see how that plays out as the episodes continue to march on. All right. Well, thank you everyone. We're coming back as we get back into regular uh, releases of Talking Time Lords. Uh, again, if you want to weigh in on anything we've talked about this episode or what your hopes are for Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor, let us know. You can, you know, always leave us a, a nice comment or a message on our Facebook page and our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. The link to our group is there on the page. I uh, also tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord. I plan to get more involved in the Twitter account. Uh, this season that we have before, so keep an eye on that. You can also email us at TalkingTimelords at gmail.com, and if you forget any of that or just want to find links to our previous episodes, visit our website, TalkingTimelords.com. Uh, we do have a Patreon that we are developing, uh, so stay tuned for information on that as the season progresses. Anything else, Paul? I'm just excited to see how they get out of space. Right, right. Uh, I, ju- I just hope it's not <laughs> on the front of the spaceship windshield. You know, like a bug. <laughs> Splat. <laughs> anyway. Uh, see, sh- this would be a perfect time for River to show back up. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? 
but that's not going to happen. No, so. Not anytime soon, anyways. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 86, A Bit of Sheffield Steel. Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hope and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. So, so, so was was that you know wiry electrical creature? Was that his speaker? Hmm. Bluetooth speaker? Huh? Huh? Hmm. No, no. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> terrible joke. It's more like the wireless battery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that works. Anyway.